Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. Today we are following on with our toy theme and we are talking about organizing toys. So last week we talked about decluttering toys and different different techniques and strategies you can use to declutter your toys with your children. And the week before that, we talked about the psychology of toys, uh, sorry, the psychology of play and the acquisition of toys. And so if you haven't listened to those two episodes yet, we probably encourage you to do that because organizing is something that comes after decluttering, not before. So I would listen to those episodes first and then listen to this one where we get stuck into organizing. Yeah, organizing toys. This, I think there's definitely no one size fits all approach here. And so mm. take our advice with a grain of salt and then apply it to, to what works for you. Some people have playrooms in their home. Some people have toy space within their children's bedrooms. I think quite often younger kids, toys will be stored out in the general family living area because children like to play when they're younger out closer to their parents and things like that. So we will talk generally about organizing, but you know, if, if you don't have a playroom and, and your, the play space is your lounge room, then just apply it to that space as best you can. So getting started, what is organizing toys? What does it mean to organize toys, Tara? Well, I think first for me, I feel like toys need to not just have a home within the area that they're located but there needs to be really clear zones in your house where toys live Mm. so like I mentioned if you've got a playroom and that's where the toys live and toys don't live in the bedroom maybe the bedroom is for your children's Mm. clothes and their books and their knickknacks but not for playing you know not for toys Mm. um then toys live in the playroom. If, if children play with toys in their room, then, you know, make that clear delineation that toys don't live in the dining room, mm. toys live in your bedroom or toys live in the lounge room with us but only on this side of the room because I think if there's no clear boundaries, that's when toys get spread yeah, from everywhere. the bedroom to the bathroom to the hallway, you know, so so make it really clear about where what zones your toys should belong in yeah that would be my first kind of principle and they're still always going to be found everywhere because kids are kids and they leave stuff everywhere and you'll find spider-man in the toilet and you'll find you know a piece of craft in the dvd player but you'll (laughs) they it's not actually where they live so as you do a tidy up you will be able to move them on and not have to actually you know, put up with the, the pile of things in, on the bathroom floor or in the laundry or um, in the microwave, um, you'll be able to take them out and put them in their homes um, where they actually live. So some of the time at least you will have uh, some clear floors and some clear spaces throughout the rest of the house as long as they've got homes uh, in their zones. But, yeah, they're definitely not always going to be in their homes. Um, that's just part of having kids and that's cool. Yeah, and I think it's really important to use that language with kids too about toys having a home 
because it's Definitely. really simple and it kind of cuts across all ages. Where's Dolly's home? She doesn't she doesn't live under the kitchen table. Where where's Dolly's home? It's in your bedroom. Okay, great. Let's you know let's pop her back in her home mm. and that kind of thing. Like you can start that from a really early age. Definitely. Yeah, and because we use that all the time. You know, I will use that with my husband about, uh, right, this thing, where, where's its home? Is its home the junk drawer? Is that its new home? Like I will still use that. I do too, yeah. Like we, yeah, like we talk about mates with mates, you know, mm. and objects hanging out with their mates. The whole home thing is just something that kind of, yeah, it's yeah. And it's better, it's much better language to use all round because it's completely objective. Whereas if you say, is this tidy? Is the living room tidy? Is your bedroom tidy? Uh, that's completely subjective because everybody's idea of tidy is different. And, you know, my idea of tidy is different to my husband's, is different to my son's, is different to my daughter's. We've all got a different idea of what tidy is. And, and also you can have, you'll have children that try to argue and, even at 15, and I think I might have said this before, but oh, he's almost 15, I can go into Ethan's room and say, you know, this need, room needs some attention. You've got stuff on the floor that are going to get broken if you're not careful uh, or it needs vacuuming so things need to be, you know, clear. Can you stick things in at times? And I can go in an hour later and say, you haven't finished. And he'll be like, yeah, I have. And I'm like, no, you haven't. He goes, yeah, I've, I've done it. I've tidied up. And then I'll say, is that where that lives? Is that where that lives? Does that live on the floor there? Does that live under there? And, you know, he's like, no, no, fine, fine, whatever. And then <laughs> things go in their homes. And so it's there's no, you can't argue with, is that in its home? It either is or it isn't. So once you've got homes for things, once you've been through the decluttering process uh, and this organising process and you have homes for things, no one can argue with that. And then when something happens that it, when it doesn't have a home, the, it doesn't just get shoved somewhere because that's not the way you do things. Everything has a home, so you can't just shove it. I remember one time after Zoe had a birthday for three or four days, she had a pile of new belongings in her bedroom right in the middle on the floor and it kind of grew and spread and it got to the point where I found it hard to get to her bed to say goodnight to her and I said to her, right, I'm sick of this pile. Can you do something about this? And she said, yep, I'll do it after school tomorrow. And I said, okay. So the next day after school she had tackled that pile and I checked on her after half an hour, an hour, and I said, how are you going with your pile? And she said, oh, I'm done. I've just got these few things here, and she just made a little pile on the floor of things that don't have a home and I need you to help me make a home for them. So that language was had filtered through from all the times I had said, put things in their homes, put things in their homes. And so, you know, then at the age of eight or nine, she was thinking that herself as well. Uh, and she couldn't really figure out how to make the home. And, again, that's another learning experience. But she knew that she needed to find a home for those. She couldn't just shove them anywhere. And so that it sort of then has a really good flow on effect of, you know, everything has a home and it just it's just a mantra for the whole household. Yeah, that's that's why I love Boxing Day. <laughs> And getting the t- all the all the gifts under the tree and going, ooh, it's time to make new homes for these things. I think that's why <laughs> my stuff never stays under the Christmas tree for so long because I'm yeah. like, I get to make new homes. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I really need to get a life. <laughs> no, I, I I share your joy. It is it is fun to do that. Yeah. Once um, once it's decluttered, I mean, finding homes for things when you've got lots of stuff is a pain in the neck. So doing the decluttering is, is you know, makes you can then find joy in creating homes for things because you actually have space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really easy then to, you know, once it's communicated to everyone in the house where the zones are for toys and where the homes are for the, the belongings, that 
anyone that finds a stray block on the rug in the living room mm. knows, okay, the block's home is in, you know, the corner of the kid's bedroom in that blue basket. That's where blocks live, you know. So mm. it kind of then makes it easy for anyone that comes across stuff to be able to pick things up and put them away too rather than everything just being collected on the the corner of the kitchen bench yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um I love the assumption that people actually notice a block on the floor like <laughs> my kids be like they walk past that for days before I finally said can someone just pick that block up and put it away please it's driving me crazy mm. but anyway blindness, yeah. toy toy clutter floor blindness um my my family can have a bit of floor blindness yeah right so I, I would say then when you've got the the zones or the areas in your home that are designated for toys, then you create new limits within the zones. Uh, mm-hmm. That might sound really convoluted, but like we said, so if it's if it's the corner of a bedroom is where all you know the toys live um, for that child, then within that area, you say right here are you know a few baskets, or maybe it's one of those storage. I think the wall storage is much as they probably are now not quite as trendy, but the ones with all the cubby holes that you have the baskets or the bins that you pull in and out, I think they've revolutionized toy storage because, mm. you know, there's, you know, there's lots of options. There's lots of cubbies and bins and stuff like that. And they kind of all neatly fit away. So that works for my mental health as well. But like, you know, so then once you've gone, right, all the toys live in this area Now, within this area, we have one bucket or one bin, one cubby for the Lego and one for the blocks and one for the dolls and one for the, you know, whatever else. And, you know, some kids love labelling them. Some kids, you know, they'll, if they're not at that age yet, you can print out a picture and stick a picture of blocks on the front of the the basket or the, the little bucket and then, you know, they can see that that's where the blocks live. And that kind of stuff. So create some natural limits within the zone for the items. Yeah. Those, like you were saying about baskets and tubs and things, they're, they, are the be- they definitely are the best storage for toys um, by far because they're so easy to get things in and out of. And, like, I, I cannot stand toy boxes or, you know, trunks. They're only really good for a few different types of toys so the ones that I would probably say they're good for would be soft toys and dress-ups are there any others Tara that toy boxes might be good for um generally not small yeah. things if they're small things yeah, they just things tip the whole lost. yeah and well they just tip the whole box out on the floor uh if you've got smaller a series of smaller boxes of things like in they hopefully only tip one box out at a time. That's very ambitious of me, I know, but uh, it's <laughs> it's sort of less stuff all over the floor then and it's easy to find. Toy boxes, are they're tall, um, the kids can't get to the bottom of them. You end up with like a layer on the bottom of broken bits of all sorts of stuff and fluff and dust and dog hair and it's just they just don't work. But if you've got large things, large soft things, then that works in works in toy boxes. But otherwise, mm-hmm. and also toy boxes need space above them to stay empty so you can get into them. So mm-hmm. you've got this whole wall above a toy box of just empty space where it could be used for storage. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. never a fan of toy boxes myself. Maddie's got, she's got like a um, kind of velvet plush, like little, it's like a trunk kind of thing mm-hmm. at the end of her bed. And that used to have soft toys in it, but now has... Uh, she puts all the 
boxes of craft stuff that you can, quite get, often gets for birthdays oh, and yes. Christmases. Yep. Like you make your own yep. pottery set or the like um, plaster mould set or nail painting kits or slime making kits. She'll put them all in there and stack them up and it kind of then sits there uh, unnoticed and then, you know, school holidays rock around and she'll open that and she's got it's like a little mini shop of all these boxes <laughs> of things yep. that she doesn't get out during term time because she doesn't make the time for it yeah. on school holidays. But they're those things that are like she keeps in the packaging and it just, rather than, I guess, sliding them under her bed, she puts lays them all up in there and then yeah. she'll sit there in the holidays and go through it. So stuff like that that doesn't, yeah, you don't have stuff. to get to the bottom of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, oh. I, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I particularly love the Trofast IKEA toy storage, which is like mm-hmm. those busket. Uh, basket baskets baskets um, or tubs that sort of slide out and you can then after the kids grow up you can turn that trofast into a bookcase by putting shelves in instead of tubs so that's a good way of storing toys too I will try and put a link to that for anyone that's not sure what we're talking about I'll try and put a link Hmm. on uh, in the show notes so you can go have a look but that's I I'm not always the biggest fan of Ikea although I talk about it um (laughs) I love the idea of uh, smaller independent furniture makers and all of that kind of thing, but their toy storage is great because it's not superly overpriced. It's functional. The the worst bit about it is building the flat pack, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing that. I like making furniture. I don't know know why. I just Mm, quite like it. It's harder to do with someone, but, you know, if you're on your own, and you yep. get complete control, then there's no divorce <laughs> <laughs> and you can get your storage put together without actually, like, you know, destroying your marriage. Um, it's quite, quite good fun. But, yeah, those yeah. The, those are the Trofast, the timber ones, they're actually decent quality too. They're not bad quality. So, I mean, some of the cheaper stuff you, you obviously compromise on quality. But with those Trofasts, um, we've still got one out in the studio that's got some art stuff in it from when we had the kids. When the, sorry, when we had the kids, when the kids were little, <laughs> and uh, and it's lasted a long time. I actually stood up on it the other day to get up something up high, um, and it didn't budge. So I didn't go crashing to the ground. So it's actually it's held oh, up well. Mm. And because the um, spaces inside them where the tubs and things go are a pretty generic size Mm. if the baskets or the boxes yeah Yeah. that are using that you're using you know like we had one where one of the kids threw you know used to keep craft stuff in and a texture or something went in there without a lid on and then it stained the bottom of the fabric basket that we had in there but they're really easy to replace um and they don't cost a bomb to replace as well so it means that if if something gets ripped or damaged or broken yeah, um, you, where you and I are talking about two different products there, I think, because I'm talking about the Trofast, which you can't put fabric boxes in because that's just the Trofast is the one that's got the slits on the side and you slide a tub in. Ah, uh, okay. Yep, you were talking about okay, the Calyx. Yeah, now or I'm the, looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that one is. Okay, would you just have to. Yeah. You can cut that bit out if you like. <laughs> oh no, I quite. I was going to leave it in. I was just going to make sure that just. I, I liked the fact that you got that wrong, and I had to explain it again, just in case other people were imagining the same thing that you were imagining, and because you and I were clearly imagining two different things. And I thought, the yeah, poor and people now I've just googled Trofast. I've just googled Trofast. Yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes, um, so everybody can uh, know what that you and I are both 
thinking about. So you were thinking about the Calyx right. with the I love that you baskets. know all the names. Oh, yeah, only my favourites. about the square ones. Yeah, <laughs> the, the square bookcase thing. It used to be um, yep. Expedit and then they discontinued Expedit and now it's Calyx, I think, which is very nerdy of me. Wow. You're just like a walking <laughs> Ikea dictionary. Not really. Now I'm just looking up Calyx. Let's <laughs> see if I'm right or wrong. So um, so those are the, yeah, so that, that bookcase, like the Calyx, that bookcase storage is also really good for toys. And uh, the, even though it's not as adjustable as a Trofast, where the Trofast you can actually choose a different a combination of different size tubs to slide in. With the Calyx, mm-hmm. you've got all the same standard sizes. So that's the only diff- that's the main difference between the two. But yeah, you use those fabric boxes um, for the Calyx or the old Expedit, and that that make they make great storage as well. And that's what we've got for both the kids in their rooms is those bookcases, the square bookcases, the Calyx. That with then there's room for books or ornaments and trophies and medals and things they've made as well as toys themselves which can then go drop into the tubs or the baskets. Yeah, and as the kids get older and they need less tubs, so, you know, when they kind of don't need, when they're not collecting Shopkins and all the little bits that you would like to keep contained in a tub, you can get rid of the the tub or the basket that slides in and then put in um, you know, and it can just be free shelving space for books or for trophies or, you know, photo frames or whatever it is. Mm. So they kind of grow with your kids too, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We talked about labelling already. Uh, we haven't really talked about the grouping so much, have we? Storing like with like. Mm. How do you go? Here's a question I've got for you, Beck. When both kids have got, you know, like if both of your children had Lego Mm -hmm. and had stuff, you know, would you put it to get all the Lego together in one kind of space in the house or would you let them have Lego each in their room separately? Okay. Uh, That that question really depends on the kids, doesn't it? Because you've got some kids like to keep some special things and not have anyone else play with them and that's okay. Uh, Other kids couldn't care less and they'll happily sort of mix in together and play together. So I haven't got a really definitive answer on that. My kids, it was mostly Ethan that had Lego and Zoe would just play with his Lego and they would quite happily play together. Um, But then with other games that they had like that they had together like a, a marble run, they had a marble run together. That just lived in the family room and that was a joint thing and it had to live in the family room really because it was sort of big and you know, it was a bit of an effort to put it all together. And so they needed a little bit of space and they've got small bedrooms. So that sort of went in the living room. But it does depend on the child and it depends on the way they play and the way they play together and what they play with. You know, some children will have completely different interests with toys. And so in that case, you know, they you would store them maybe separately. I don't know. It depends. I can't give you a good answer for that one. I think we have to just know our kids, mm. don't we? Yeah, I mean, we we had a kind of general rule in well, the house that we're in now, we're fortunate enough to have like a, it's a we call it the kids' room, but it's like a, a play space or a rumpus room and it's got cupboard storage in there where toys and things go. So we kind of have the rule of if it's fair game, if anyone comes over and you're happy for them to play with it, <laughs> it goes in that space. Yeah. Um, if yep. it's something, so things like our 
the Lego box with all the generic creator stuff is all in there together. But if they've made a model and they don't want anyone to break it, then that would stay in their room. But I guess it's because generally our kids, even if their friends come over, they don't necessarily hang out in their room so much. They hang out kind of in that shared space. And it's things like if they've got a colouring book that's special, I will say, leave that in your room Mm. so that if your cousins come over and, you know, you might be here or you might not be here, if they want to do colouring in, any colouring books that I find in the, the rumpus room, they're fair game. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Any anyone can play with them. So I kind of let the kids have let my kids have control over what they're prepared to share and not. But if your kids, if their play space is in their room, then maybe you could you could still delineate that. If there's something really special, you put the really special things in the basket under your bed, mm-hmm. um, and the other stuff yeah. pop out or have have more accessible. Yeah, because kids visiting can ruin your toys either mm. on purpose <laughs> or by accident. I still remember I had this really really old doll that my mum gave me that was hers and she'd taken it to the doll doctor and got it fixed and she got new hair and she had these beautiful long brown ringlets and they were very special and she was a special doll and she was a display doll and we had these cousins come to visit us that I didn't know very well they were second cousins and they were a tad unruly. Um, there were a few incidents that trip. I think at one stage the eldest two locked everyone out of the house and thought it was hilarious. Um, but mm. one of them got hold of this doll of mine and brushed all of her curls out. And, <gasps> oh, yeah, that I was devastated. <laughs> I was devastated. And, like, mum, mum said, it's okay, I can fix it, and she managed to get all the curls back into their ringlets again. But, yeah, it was... It was quite upsetting for me. So that's always been something that I have kept in mind with, with our kids as well is if you've got something special and if you've, if there's a kid coming over that you don't know really well and then you're not quite sure how they'll behave around your things, then just put them away and um, have that special spot in your room where you can put those special things and they're not going to get broken. Yeah. So and then and then within the confines of the, the play area that you've got, be it in the room or in another shared space in the house. I I do like the idea of storing like with like or mm. storing things with their mates. So having an area or a basket or a shelf that's all about the craft yeah. items and that's where all the glue and the scissors and the crayons and all that kind of stuff goes because then again it just makes it easier to talk about the home. Is this if I find a rogue stamp? lying you know not mm. a postage stamp but you know like yeah, yeah. I you meant. <laughs> stamp and stamping pad yeah uh laying around somewhere I know that it will belong somewhere on that craft shelf um or that in that craft mm. box and then you know the dolls and it might be that Barbies have their own home and brats have a different home or whatever or it might be that all of the doll figurines are together but I guess it it comes down to the house and the space but i there's the something volume, nice yeah. for people, yeah, mm. um, and it's a, it's a nice way to set your limit then if you keep like items together. Yeah. Um, and at school and at kindy and at childcare, things are stored like that as well and so it's a consistency that your kids will understand of having things that go together, stored together, and it makes it easier for them to remember the home of things as well if things are grouped together. And when you are choosing your categories, always ask the kids because they might put Spider-Man with Lego because they always make up a game around Spider-Man when they build 
a city, for example, whereas you might stick Spider-Man in with the action heroes uh, and then your child can't find them when they want to do their Lego game. So ask them, you know, where does this belong and where would you go looking for this and what are the other toys that this toy gets played with at the same time as and stuff like that and that helps you then group your your categories in, um, in together as well. Yeah, I saw a really clever, this is kind of a, you know, sidestep, but I saw a really clever t- trick recently that the decluttering guru Peter Walsh used, which I liked. And he had um, in, it was in a child's room and he had a basket or a tub there that had some dolls or something or other in it. And then he had the exact same tub. It was one of those kind of, uh, it's got a smaller base at the bottom and then wider at the top and then handles either side like a plastic Oh, those tub. rubbery plasticky things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he had one of those that was, you know, storing some items and then he had another one different color I think underneath that the top one just sat inside and initially it was like I thought oh that what's what's the point of that that's a bit of a waste but in this house all the toys were stored in the child's room and the child was relatively young so he said the theory is that then if she wants to bring some stuff out and play with it in the lounge room or play with it outside if the rest of the family's outside she takes the bottom tub off and it's empty, grabs the toys that she wants and brings them out. Awesome. But then also she has a tub to then bring it all back. She could, she'd be encouraged to unpack that tub then. That doesn't become their new home. Mm. Put the toys back in their home and then slip this tub back underneath. So it's not taking any extra space. Yeah. And I liked the idea because I thought if the tub was sitting there empty and was just used for carding, it would never get unemptied. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would just or something it else would just would become be a new home. And, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it slipped in underneath this other one, so when it was not in use, it was still full effectively. Um, And I really like that idea and I like the idea of creating some kind of system where your kids, if they're bringing toys out of one space into another, that they've got a means to do that. And also then it makes it easier for when you say, okay, it's tidy up time now, grab your tub, go around, walk around the house and pick up all the toys you've left and head them back to their, their homes, go and unpack them, deliver them. Um, that they've got a way to do that that's really easy and functional. Yeah, yeah. That's I, li- I really like that idea. That's good because the, there is a lot of portability needed in toys, uh, especially when they're little. And if you don't have, if you've got a small home and all the toys have to be in their bedroom and they're four years old and especially if they're an only child, they're going to want to be out playing in the family room. They're not going to want to be in their bedroom by themselves and it's not until they get older that they start to hang around hang out in their bedrooms by themselves and so having a portable way to take toys around with them is a really good idea and it can always be a bit dangerous because like you said they end up becoming a permanent home for toys and then you end up with it sort of spread throughout the whole house without actually meaning to but if you've got somewhere that is a permanent temporary home that mm-hmm. does not become a permanent permanent home then you've got that ability to to have that portability for the child uh, without the mess that comes with it and also be really firm about letting your kids toys take over your shared spaces or your family spaces it's too many times i think i have seen lounge rooms like a family that has one lounge room and then it has basically become the kids playroom mm-hmm. and you have to move toys off the couch to sit down of an evening and watch TV or whatever. And it's like this is, you know, Mm. probably really works for the kids, Mm. but it doesn't work for the adults. And if you're getting 
crowded out of your own space because of toys, then you kind of you've let go, you've let go of control there, and I feel like you need to rein it back in for sure. And if you don't have the luxury of a toy room, then you don't have the luxury of loads of toys either. And so if you do have that one living space and small bedrooms, then that's fine. Just have less toys. They'll be fine. Listen to the episode a couple of episodes ago. (laughs) They'll be fine with less toys. Everyone will be happier. Uh, You don't have to fill up a small house with toys just so that they have, you know, plenty of toys because it's not necessary. Yeah. And maybe that's a scenario where you could practice some toy rotation. So pop a tub of toys away, you know, in the laundry or out in the garage and have some out for a month, put a reminder in your phone and then swap some over. And if you find that there are toys that are coming out and they're not being played with before they get put back away, then maybe those toys could go. But if you've got a small space, then give them some stuff, let them, you know, use it, love it, and then swap it over. And so you're not limiting the amount of toys so much. Mm. You're just kind of it's just how Limiting much they take what up they, at one what's time. available at a time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another tip I have for storage before we move away from that is trying to put your kids' toys at your kids' height. And it's all just about removing the barrier to them. Putting it away. Uh, having to <laughs> ask you to get them out, but also having to put them away. If your kid can't reach the shelf that their fire truck belongs on, then they will never put it away and then you will always have to put it away or it will just lay around on the floor forever. So try and create storage that works for your kids and that is height appropriate and age appropriate. If the tubs of blocks are too heavy for them to be able to pull out, they won't pull them out or they'll come and get you and nag you every time they want the block. So try and make it work for them because it's just one less thing in the way of them getting stuff out and putting it away. Yeah, definitely. And that weight thing is a good consideration too. You know, if you've got... a a basket of of heavy blocks and it's at their head height or face height, they could probably pull it out. But the chances of them pulling it out and landing on their head or on their foot are high as well. So that's something that needs to be considered is that the heavy stuff should go down low so that they can't drop it on their heads by accident. (laughs) Yeah. And also with you, with toy storage, also be aware of the, the weight of the storage that you're using especially if you have a climber. So if you have a toy that is out of their reach and they're not the type of kid to come and ask you for it, they're the type of kid to just to just scale the bookcase and try and get it down. If that bookcase is not anchored to the wall, it could fall down on them as well. So keep that safety sort of consideration in mind as well. Anything that's tall that the kids are going to be wanting to get things off should be anchored to the wall. Yeah, and if there's things that you don't want your kids to access, make sure they're out of sight. So yeah, um, I'm thinking from experience here when, you know, I am punishing a child and saying, right, okay, that toy, you know, you don't hit your sister with it, that, oh, that will sit on the fridge for the next week. There's something, you know, my kids were not too bad with that because they could see it and then go, oh, I still don't have that toy. That's because I hit her with it. But <laughs> if you've got a climber, and you really don't, you want to punish them by not giving them a toy for a week, uh, yeah, don't put it on the fridge where don't they could it. get onto a chair, onto the yeah. bench, try and get onto, you know, like pop yep. it out of the, out out of the of way, side, out of sight. Yeah. I have a client, hello, Hannah, if you're listening, who I remember doing the top of her kitchen cupboards 
And I was up there on the ladder and passing things down and we had lots of laughs at the things that I was finding up there because she would just sort of open up, like she'd confiscate a toy so it'd be like a Nerf gun or it'd be something like that and she'd just open, like reach up and open the top cover and kind of throw <laughs> the item into the uh, into the thing to confiscate it and uh, the things that we found up in her kitchen cupboards were quite funny. She'd be like, oh, there's another one I've confiscated at some point because <laughs> some kid hit the other one with it or they were fighting over it or something like that. Oh, I love it. Never to be seen again yeah yeah she was quite happy for them so, never to be seen again too actually okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah true that could be a sneaky way to declutter no you can't play with that I'm going to punish you by taking it away <laughs> so you forget about it in this cupboard yeah and then we find it 10 years, years later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we've had a question from Hayley um on our Facebook community page and she asked specifically about Lego storage and this is this, I think this is so relevant. It relate, we can all relate, or most of us can relate yeah. to this and Lego. And so have you got any tips, back on the best way to store Lego? Okay. Um, again, and I'm not going to make it as complicated as the last time I said this, but it often depends on the child. So you've got some kids that love to just rifle and create randomly. And they might occasionally look for something specific, like a wheel or something. But for the most part, they just sort of rummage and scour through and make something out of what they whatever they find and then you've got other kids who are a bit more specific and they'll have in their mind you know I want to make a tower and I want it to be red and blue and I also want to put plants around it and have three knights standing in front of it and so in that case they're going to need three knights which means they the minifigures if they're all mixed in and jumbled with everything might be a bit hard to find Um, just getting the blue and the the yellow blocks might be a bit of a pain for them uh, rummaging through all the other stuff. So they've got, you might have, you'll have those two different styles of child uh, and the ones that are quite happy to rummage and don't get too set in the design of what they want to make beforehand, you can just mix all of the Lego together and you actually don't need to spend a lot of time organising it. But then there's the kids that if you did do that, if you just had three tubs of we'll get to the storing lego but if you just had three bulk tubs of lego and your kid wanted to find a small triangular flat gray piece then they might get a bit stressed looking through those three tubs trying to find that small piece so in that case you might need to organize your lego a little bit more thoroughly and so i think once you've decided what type of kid you've got that's when you sort of then start to decide what kind of storage you might need. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I never had contemplated, I think because as a kid our Lego was all in together and so if we wanted Mm. to create we would tip it out all over the floor (laughs) and then kind of smush it around like a pro heart picture um, and try and find the bits and it would gradually, you know, spread across the room. And so I had never really contemplated that it could be stored any other way. And then some good friends of ours in the UK, it was a rainy weekend and I remember texting her and saying, oh, what are you up to this weekend? She goes, oh, we're colour coding our Lego. And I'm like, sorry, what? And she said, (laughs) oh, we've had to because the boys have bought some more sets or whatever. She said our current storage isn't big enough so we're re doing it so they but they had like um fishing tackle boxes and things like that and so they would have all the you know the tiny round almost neon like the ones that use for lights and stuff they would have them together and then they'd have all the gray small and the gray large and the white small and the white large and then they'd have and I was just like 
uh, I never, I can't imagine. You know, it's like when you see the Lego Masters show or you go into a Lego store yeah. and there's just a whole tub of green blocks and I'm like, wow, what I could do with Lego that's been pre-sorted. That's amazing. Yeah. But that's how her her boys um, preferred it, yeah. were very, very creative, but that's how they played it. They would have a picture in their mind of what they wanted mm. and so rather than them spending half an hour rifling through everything, they could go straight to the section of the fishing tackle box and go, yep, that's where the light is, oh, that's yeah. what I need, yep. I need this white flat piece, yep. Mm. It's very visually pleasing having Lego organised. It's There's an aesthetic about it that's that appeals to just about everybody. You know, there's something really exciting about rows and rows of drawers of of Lego in their colours and in their sizes. I, I get quite excited by it. But my children were riflers the same way I was, same way you were, and I I didn't want to invest all of that time in sorting Lego because in my family I know that I would go to all this trouble or with the child, but they would lose interest after half an hour, I'm sure, of putting everything into its groups only to have it all jumbled up again because we pack up in a hurry. And I just didn't want to invest all of that time for for no good reason. And so for for me, I like the idea of it, but the amount of time that needs to be invested in it is not something I'm prepared to invest because the reward isn't as valuable to my children as as it might be to some other kids. So we, as riflers, like if you've got a rifler, the best kind of storage for riflers is those long underbed, flat, shallow boxes because we've we bought those and um, Ethan's got two of those, two large underbed storage ones and they're flat and they're shallow. Having them flat and shallow meant that you actually didn't need to tip them onto the floor. You could actually rifle through them already because they were quite shallow. So that made um, for cleanup really easy. So some things would end up on the floor but not the whole tub. So it was a nice quick cleanup. So I always uh, advocate uh, long, large, shallow tubs for for Lego, for the riflers. I have also seen online these really cool round storage and play bags and I think they use them for all sorts, not just for Lego. And, again, it depends on the volume of Lego that your child or children have, Hayley, but they are, it's like, um, it's almost like a round, imagine a round play mat, but there's a little cord around the outside yeah. and all the Legos inside. And then at the end, you kind of, you know, like pull the cord. String. Yeah. Yeah. And it draws the outside of the, um, the mat in and encompasses all the Lego. And then it becomes like a pouch mm-hmm. that then you can put away. I'm like, that is so cool. And I guess for people that if their kids are really into Lego and maybe they, you, you take it away with you if you go away for a week or you go to grandma's for a, for a sleepover and you want to take some Lego. Um, if there's a big volume but you want to just take some stuff, those things could be really yeah. handy to for carrying as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, my mum made my kids one of those. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. So we, we had one of them when they were little, one of those drawstring things. It was really cool. It w- didn't work for Lego because of the way it was made, it wasn't a drawstring. It had like loops around the edge that had then another cord through that so when you drew it up there were holes in it so it was good for um like soft toys and large baby toys it worked fine for that but for lego bits would fall out of it but you can get the ones that are actually draw like proper drawstrings so that they um don't have a gap for things to fall out of Mm -hmm. and then if you've got children as well that um with their lego 
like to remake the sets, and I think we've talked about this before, you can, you know, store the sets away once they've built it if you think they're going to make it again and they don't want to throw all the pieces in with your generic creator bricks, then get them to take it apart, put it in a a bag of some sort, pop the instructions in as well, or quite often we used to cut out the or cut off the front page, which didn't really have anything important on the back but had the picture of what it was and we would put that on the outside of the the tub or the box or the bag or whatever we were using and then store it like that. And we used to use like the large plastic Ziploc bags. But in the interest of the environment, maybe you could find a more eco-friendly option. Yeah, possibly. These days. Calico bags with it written on the front what it is and then the instruction book mm-hmm. in the back could work as well. Uh, I've just bought a whole lot of silicon Ziplocs and mm-hmm. so that could work as well. You could use uh, silicon reusable Ziplocs, um, which you can then write on the front of them what's, what's in the as well. Yeah. Um, so then that's a way to, and then you can almost catalogue them in, uh, you know, here's my. Uh, <laughs> I was say, you're getting excited now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about organising Lego into sets and, yeah. But um, if that works for your, your child, but then I guess, you know, encourage them to pick a set, bring it out, play, rebuild, put it back, mm. you know, because as soon as that system gets a bit out of control, then there's a lot of time wasted. And and that whole thing of understanding what works for your kids, like it, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person that loves the idea of really highly organised playroom, but mm. if that doesn't work for your kids, you still want it in, a, in things to have a home and kids to be able to get them out and put them away. But it's akin to I spent way too much of my young ki- or my life when my kids were young encouraging them not to mix the colours of Play-Doh. <laughs> I was, it was like a massive bugbear of mine. I was like, you can't put the pink in with the green. And then, and I would be like, really, I was, I was awful. I was like the um, watchkeeper of the Play-Doh and I would let them play to be like, no, you make your flower out of the pink and then you put it away and then you can get a different colour out. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? Just go for it. If you want to mix it up, mix it up. And they made all these creations, put it back, and then within about three goes it had all just turned that <laughs> weird orangey-brown <laughs> colour. And and they didn't even care. And I was like, why? Why have I spent so yeah. much energy trying to encourage them to keep it apart when actually that wasn't on their radar? If it turned brown, they didn't care. They just wanted to play with it. Yeah, um, exactly. And so I think organising kids' toys is a bit the same, like, yeah. you know, Try and make it work for them. Don't stress yourself out trying to keep things so highly organised that, you know, the kids don't care and you start to worry. Exactly. I, I had a client once that um, in, in the living room she had a beautiful big kind of wooden cabinet with uh, bas- wicker baskets in them and mm-hmm. it was it looked neat and tidy. There was nothing on top and the wicker baskets all fit perfectly in the little square so you couldn't see inside the baskets and everything. And she said to me, she pointed out, she said, that drives me crazy. And I said, "Why? What? what is it about it that drives you crazy? And she said, no one ever puts the things back in the right baskets. She said, there's Barbies in with the blocks and there's cars in with the action figures. And she said, it doesn't matter how many times I reorganise it and tidy it up, they get put back in the, the wrong bits and I said all right okay let's see if this really is a problem I said do your children look for specific toys or do they like to open a basket and just discover a toy to play with and she said oh they just kind of discover 
And I said, are they very likely to come to you and say, where's my Spider-Man, the one that's got the one black foot and the broken hand? I need him for a game. And she said, no, that that wouldn't happen. And I said, okay, you are going to overwork yourself for no good reason because your kids actually don't mind exploring what's in those baskets because they don't mind opening it up and going, oh, you know, I was going to play with Lego, but now I see that there's a car in here and I feel like playing with cars. Instead, I'm going to go and play with this car. And so if they're not going to get anxious about finding something specific, then there's no need to stress about making sure that there are very specific homes for, for categories either. If it's tidy and they can still play happily and they can pack it up and they can pull it out, then that's sort of most of the goal. And she was quite relieved at that idea because she could just let go of that and just give herself so much less work to do in all of the reorganising. And and she sort of said, if they do come looking for something, I can just say to them, if you want to find specific things, then you need to put them away in their right tubs because I'm not going to do it for you. And so don't come asking Mm. looking for something. I'll just send you to there. Then you can look in every single tub. So um, that really did free her up a lot. It freed up her expectations of herself and of the kids and of the way that the space worked for her as well. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be all really precisely organised. Do you have any tips for tidy up time, Beck? Anything that you would advocate for people doing when it's the end of the day or it's, you know, well, I like that, that basket idea. And I've used that basket idea with my kids. And so sometimes I'll run around and do a tidy up and there'll be bits and pieces throughout the entire house that have been left by all sorts of different people. And I'll run around with a washing basket and anything that's not in its home, I'll just stick in the washing basket and then I stick it in the hallway between the kids' bedroom doors. And when they get back from school, they have to put their things away. So that has worked quite well. You will, mm-hmm. I will always then go back into the hallway and find the basket sitting there with one thing of mine in it <laughs> or of <laughs> or of mix because heaven forbid that you should put away someone else's stuff. Um, they would put away <laughs> their own and leave mine there. But that, I found that to be a really good way for me to tidy up. If, I, if someone needed to vacuum or sweep or dust and there was stuff around, putting them in the basket and sticking it in the hallway for them to do later when they're home from school always worked well. For me, so it's kind of combining that Peter Walsh idea of that that other basket as well. Um, but I mm. use the washing basket because I would need the washing basket to do the washing, which means I would then force them to do the job and it wouldn't just sit in the hallway for six months. <laughs> um, we used to have, when my kids were quite well, kind of preschool age, we used to have a tidy up song. And oh, it was cool. always before bath time. I think it came, for, I think, well, I'm not. I'm not saying I think. I know it came from bananas in pajamas because mm-hmm. I heard this song every day for a couple of years, uh, and we would. It'd be like, okay, guys, you know, but I'm just about to start running the bath. The tidy up song went for you know a minute or a minute and a half or something. Occasionally, we'd have to put it on repeat until we were tidy, but we would. It was that same thing as you know how you have. Um, kind of markers to prepare your children for sleep you know they might have dinner and then have a bath and then have a book and you kind of get them ready for sleep it's that same thing about putting a marker in place about okay playtime has ended we're getting ready for dinner or we're getting ready for whatever is next or maybe this is what they do before bed Mm. Um, and having that same signal every time to say right that's it so you know it got to the point where it'd be like okay because we used to, I used to bath the kids before dinner, which didn't always work out very well. But um, <laughs> it would be, I'd turn the bath on, we'd put the bananas in pajamas song on, at, you know, some insane volume, 
and the kids would start tidying up and they'd take things back to their room and they'd put the blocks back in the pot and then they'd do this and they'd do that. And it was great. And it became this little ritual mm. that was really easy and it just took the sting out of the fight of like, oh. no, put that toy down, you know, because they just got used to it. That was the habit. And now it's more like we have Taylor Swift at volume 300 <laughs> on a Saturday morning while the kids tidy their rooms. Mm. But it's that same thing of um, just that little signal. So if you can find something like that that works for your kids or you make up a story, I've seen someone do this too, make up a story with the items as you put them away and Spider-Man needs to get back to cover because the flood is coming oh, and yeah. so then the ship comes, you know, and you kind of take things back to their homes as you create the story. That could be really effective too. Just see what works for your kids. That sounds fun. I want to do that. My kids are too old to do that now. <laughs> they stand there with that look. <laughs> <laughs> that embarrassed like, whatever um, mum that that look that they give me when I dance in public or the look that Zoe gives me when I raise my voice um and people start looking at me um she's like mum people are looking at you to which I usually go are they <laughs> oh. I might try the bananas in pajamas song tomorrow morning for my kids see if that <laughs> see inspires if you get any an eye roll amazing <laughs> Tidying. Oh, that's uh, cool. No, I really like that idea. Um, also, pick a time when your kids are in a good mood. So if you pick a time when they're hungry and tired, tidy up isn't going to be fun for anybody. So I reckon one of the time. I don't know if your kids were the same, but one of the times that my kids were in the best moods ever was after their bath and they had the bath after dinner. So they'd eaten and they'd bathed and then they would get all like that little last burst of energy and they'd be all mm-hmm. perky and happy and fun which was different from the three hours prior to that <laughs> where they'd been like the opposite but for some reason for my kids they were always really happy and good-natured and energetic after their bath and so I would do the the toy clean up then so after the bath and before before books and so that was when it was our our little time um, there as well. And uh, I didn't use the music, but it was just the, all right, everything in its home, sort of me barking orders and, until it was mm-hmm. all done and, and helping them, you know. Oh, that's another point I want to make is with little ones, it's very important that they do their own tidying up and their own putting things away in their homes. That's something that is going to be important later in life and the earlier you get onto it, the better. That said, when you have a four-year-old who is tired or let's say you've got a five-year-old who's just at the end of their first term of school um we all know how sensitive a five-year-old at the end of term one of their first year of school is <laughs> it's all a bit much at the end of the term they're exhausted so if you've got a child that is tired and cranky and you know that they're kind of at their limit there is really no point in saying to them see that big pile of lego over there you need to put it in its home because they're either not going to do it or they're going to fall to pieces um, doing it or it's going to take three hours. So one of the things that I would do with my kids when they got to that point was just change my language um, and help them. But I wouldn't help them, I wouldn't do it for them and I would make it clear to them that it's still their responsibility but because they're having a hard time, I was going to help. So I would say to them, you know, you look like you're a bit tired today. Do you want me to help you pack your Lego away? We can do it together. And you tell me where to put the things and where the homes are and I will help you do them. And so that way you're actually helping them um, with a task that is a bit physically and mentally beyond them at, beyond them at that time. 
but they're still in control and they're still taking responsibility for their belongings by being the boss about the cleanup. They're still the they, they, it's still their responsibility to make sure the the cleanup happens, and they it's still their responsibility to make sure things go in their homes. But you're there to help them so that they don't fall to pieces and you don't have a big row about it. Yeah, that's good because how many times have you know? Yeah, <laughs> mum stood hand on hips. No, you will put that away, child, face down, screaming, yeah. and you're like, yeah, okay, and it's be easier to do it myself. <laughs> and you do get to. I remember a 45 minute standoff with Ethan over Lego, and it was after that that I changed the way I did things because I was like that mm. poor kid. I tortured him, and you know, I I. We, we all make mistakes as parents and we get to the end of a particular episode and we think, hmm, could have done that differently. <laughs> and, you know, we don't know it at the time. but yeah, And at the time I was just trying to teach him to take responsibility for his stuff. But looking back on it, it was just it was just a bit much for me to expect him to do at the age of four when he was a bit tired to put all that Lego away and that I could have approached it a different way. And so after that, I did approach it a different way and it was more like, you know, would you like me to help? Do you want to tell me what to do? Do you want me to take all the blue ones or you do the yellow ones? You know, that kind of thing so that um, they're, they're just not being overloaded too much um, but it's still their job to do uh, and they still get that lesson there uh, just without all of the the stress on everybody. Hmm. One last point I'd like to make about toys before we wind up this, you know, epic marathon of a few weeks of discussing toys is not letting you get to yourself get to the point where you feel overwhelmed again. So Mm. once you're decluttered and you're organized to a point that works for yourself and your kids and you're happy Remember how far you've come and don't let yourself get to that point again. So I've mentioned before some of the triggers we have in our house to declutter. So, you know, before birthdays and Christmases, our kids will have their practice of give before you get. So they do a big declutter then. And there might be occasional times where I'll suggest that they could probably find a few things come out of their room, pop it on their job list, things like that. Younger kids, you could think about the one-in-one-out rule like we talk about with wardrobes and other, you know, other items, books Mm. and things. When you're at a state that you're really happy with the volume, then say, okay, look, for every toy that's coming home, we need to find another one to let go of. And if you get 10 things for your birthday, then, you know, two weeks after your birthday, let's find 10 things that we can let go of or or whatever it is, you know. But, yeah, try and stay in that, you know, maintain that that order because if you do it once set it and forget it then in a year or two years you're going to be back to that starting point all over again yeah and and also part of maintenance is is watching those acquisition habits so that episode that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with how you're acquiring and acquiring mindfully and and watching how the things come into the house is part of the maintenance as well because you do have to make sure you don't have more coming in than going out and um, so if you're doing your regular decluttering that's great but if more is coming in than you're decluttering even if you are decluttering regularly you're still not going to get anywhere you're going to end up back in that overwhelmed state again and you will have periods where you do look around and go, whoa, I think I actually need to do some targeted um, decluttering, kind of like how we talked about in the decluttering mode versus maintenance mode. You might be in maintenance mode for some time, but then something happens that will slip you back into decluttering mode where you need to then go, right, that's it. I'm We're going to do an actual proper clean out of this whole zone because it's just, everything's just a bit too jam-packed. Um, and I've, you know, I'm kind of, we reached our point. But 
you for the most part you'll stay in in the maintenance mode if you have a good balance between what's coming in and what's going out so i think that ends our chat about toys but there is always more to be discussed and more to be said so if you've got questions that are unanswered or if you want a bit of support through your toy declutter or reorganize then please come and join us in our facebook community um, because there's a bunch of wonderful people there that are probably going through the same thing and we'd love to dive in and help you and share your success with you and answer any other questions that we you might have that we haven't covered we would also love to see pictures of your toy storage because that would really inspire all of the other listeners. So if you have got some great toy storage systems happening, just post them in our community group or you can tag them on Instagram with uh, Be Uncluttered or Beck and Tara and we can find them. And um, if we find some good ones, we might feature them on our own Instagram as well. So um, just for those who aren't watching the hashtags, but we'll keep an eye out. And um, if you do tag anything with your great toy storage on there, we would really appreciate it. And so would everybody else who's listening as well. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.